Bonjour, fifth graders. How are you? I hope you are doing well. I want to start off today's episode by giving a huge congratulations to Delilah, who had the first place musher, Thomas Waymer. Congratulations, Delilah. All right, fifth graders. What are you reading these days? I've really been enjoying a lot of reading time. I am currently 74 pages into an 882-page book by Robert A. Caro called The Years of Lyndon Johnson, The Path to Power. Doesn't that sound exciting? No? Well, you know me. I love history and the presidents. Remember when we talked about mean, median, and mode in the last episode? Start today and keep track of how many pages you read each day. Write that number down over the course of five days. At the end of those five days, calculate the average, median, and mode of pages read. Here's an example. Ready? On the first day, I read 10 pages of my Lyndon Johnson book. On the second, I read 7. On the third, I read 12. On the fourth day, I read 10. And on the last day, I read 11 pages. My data is 10, 7, 12, 10, and 11. How do I find the average, do you remember? I add them up. When I add all the pages I read, it's 50. What do I need to do next? That's right, I divide by the count. I read for five days, so 50 divided by five equals 10. The average is 10. All right, so what's the mode? Do you remember what mode is? Mode. Mode is most, very good. That's right. So it's also 10. In my data set, 10 appears twice. Now, how do I find the median or middle value? All right, yeah, I order the data pieces and find what's in the middle. First, I order them 7, 10, 10, 11, 12. Hey, it's also 10. Amazing, right? Go ahead and give it a shot. All right, back to reading. It's important to read every day. As an avid fan of history and different perspectives, I wanted to tell you about a new book I'm excited to check out called Prairie Lotus. Well, I could tell you about it, but here's Coria from the Newark Public Library to tell you all about it instead. and I'm so excited to tell you about a brand new book that I just finished. Now this brand new book is available on Libby by Overdrive, which you can download for free and use with your library card. The book I just finished would be great for upper elementary and middle school kids. It's called Prairie Lotus by Linda Sue Park. She's a Newbery award-winning author. She's really fantastic. And she gives an alternate view to Little House on the Prairie in this prairie story taking place in 1880. Now Hannah is half Chinese, half white, and she's traveling with her white father. They're traveling to the town of La Forge, which has never seen a Chinese person or an Asian person before. So Hannah faces a lot of discrimination as she tries to go to school and finish school and also help her father set up their family dress shop. Hannah loves making dresses, sewing and designing them more than anything else. 
and she wants a chance to prove to the town and prove to her father that she can do this. She's a great compelling character and I highly recommend Prairie Lotus by Linda Sue Park. It's time for science. All right, fifth graders, so we've been talking about the animal kingdom. Today we're going to be talking about the invertebrates. Invertebrates are animals without backbones. You knew that. But did you know some invertebrates, such as worms and jellyfish, have no protection for their soft, fleshy bodies? Others, such as clams and snails, have shells. Still, other invertebrates, such as spiders and beetles, have a hard outer skin called an exoskeleton. Exoskeletons are much like knight's armor. They protect the soft inner bodies of these invertebrates. Scientists have identified more than one million species of invertebrates and have divided them into many pila. Many more million species of invertebrates have yet to be named and described. Wait a minute. Vertebrate? or invertebrate. All animals belong to one of two large groups, vertebrates, animals with backbones, or invertebrates, animals without backbones. Almost all the world's animals are invertebrates. They include insects, spiders, crustaceans such as crabs and lobsters, snails, jellyfish, worms, and many, many more. The vertebrates include humans and other mammals fish, reptiles, birds, and amphibians, such as frogs and salamanders. In all, there are about 45,000 species of vertebrates, while there are many million species of invertebrates. So let's talk about some invertebrates. Here we go. First off, we have sponges, the simplest many-celled animal. The sponge is a food-gathering tube. As water passes through the sponge's tube, special cells trap and digest tiny food particles. Sponges come in many colors, live in water, and usually attach themselves to rocks. Pretty amazing, fifth graders. They're not just for wiping your counters with. That's a totally different type of sponge. Alright, next up, stinging cell animals. Animals with a tube or sac-like body with a mouth or an opening which is surrounded by tentacles. Special stinging cells trap prey or keep off predators. Jellyfish, corals, and sea anemones are among the 10,000 or so species of water-dwelling synergrians. Next up, flatworms. Flat-bodied worms with a head and a simple nervous system. They live in water or moist places. Some are parasites. Among the 13,000 known species of flatworms are tapeworms, flukes, and planaria. Moving on to roundworms. So we had flatworms, now we have roundworms, of course. These are smooth roundworms. Many thousands of the 12,000 species of roundworms are microscopic. Some are parasites, and some cause disease. Okay, yuck, let's move on. Segmented worms. Soft body made up of little parts or segments. Annelids have a true digestive system and two body openings. Most have well-developed circulatory and nervous systems as well as sense organs. Next up, we have mollusks. 
These are soft-bodied, usually enclosed in a hard shell. Mollusk bodies have three parts, a head with a mouth, sense organs, and a brain, a body and a foot for creeping about. The 50,000 known species of mollusks include snails, slugs, octopi, squids, scallops, mussels, and oysters. Next we have sea stars and their relatives. Bodies with external skeletons made mostly of lime. The bodies are arranged in five parts, or in multiples of five. There's your math connection. Many of the 5,500 species have body spikes or spines. Sea stars, also called starfish, brittle stars, sand dollars, sea urchins, and sea cucumbers are included in this phylum. And of course, the arthropods, the largest phylum, with more than 800,000 known species, all have exoskeletons made mostly of chitin, jointed limbs, and hairs or other bristles that act as sense organs. Almost all are insects, but arthropods, from the Greek for jointed foot, also include spiders, crustaceans such as lobsters and crabs, millipedes, and centipedes. Wow. So, fifth graders, invertebrates, sponges, stinging cell animals, flatworms, roundworms, segmented worms, mollusks, sea stars and their relatives, and arthropods. Those make up the invertebrates in this section of the animal kingdom. All right, fifth graders, we are going to take out our Westing game books. So again, if you are following along at home, you can find the complete text of the Westing game online. If you Google the Westing game, full text, you should be able to find it. But if you can't find it, that's okay. Really, this book was meant for us to be read together so we could talk about all these twists and turns, all these character developments, all these little nuances in the story. I really do miss talking about this book with you, and I hope you're enjoying the read-aloud on this podcast. I know parts of the book can be confusing, and parts of the book don't really make much sense when heard out loud, and that's why I really miss those opportunities to talk with you. What's going on in the story? Did you catch them, some things in the last chapter? Did you notice that Jake Wexler was trying to make nice with his wife? Did you notice some of the information that Sandy uncovered about the heirs? What does it all mean? Is Grace Wexler related to Crow? What's going on between Angela, Theo, and Crow? And furthermore, what is Denton Deer taking Chris to the hospital to do? In Chapter 19, which we read in the last episode, Flora and Turtle are trying to follow the stock market. The price of WPP, or Westing Paper Products, is rising. At Sunset Towers, Crow cleans the Wexler's apartment while thinking about how she doesn't want to go to the Westing house. It's too painful, but why? Otis thinks that she should go. Otis makes a delivery to the apartment and tells Crow he thinks Mr. Who might be the bomber because this restaurant competes with the coffee shop. Crow gets furious and thinks about vengeance. Why is she so mad? Angela will be scarred for life. Meanwhile, upstairs, the judge and Sandy discuss Crow. Her full name is Bertha Erica Crow, and she's divorced from Windy Wincopple. Who is Windy Wincopple? They don't know what her Westing connection is. 
The judge realizes that Grace must be related to Crow, since they are both connected to the wind cobbles. They look back over the information on Crow and come back across an interview with one of Crow's friends. The friend describes Crow as a pretty redhead, and the friend is named Sybil Pulaski. Who is Sybil Pulaski? All right, here we go. Chapter 20 is called Confessions. Friday came quickly to the Westing heirs. Too quickly. Time was running out. Turtle skipped school. She was in trouble enough. But she could build her own school and hire her own kind of teachers once she became a millionaire. In spite of having Turtle at her side, Flora Bombach still stared at the ever-changing, endless tape from the edge of her chair. Chewed what remained of her fingernails and uttered an oh my each time WPP went by. At 2 o'clock, Westing Paper Products sold at $52 a share, its highest price in 15 years. Now, Baba, sell! Doug Hu had a legitimate excuse from classes. Tomorrow was the big track meet. He jogged, he sprinted, he ran at full speed. Not on the track, but on the trail of Otis Amber. Back and forth from the shopping center to Sunset Towers, again and again and again, and... Hey, this is a new direction. Otis Amber parked his delivery bike in front of a rooming house and went inside. Doug waited, hidden in a doorway across the street, and waited. People came and went, but no Otis Amber. Doug jogged up and down the block for two hours, still no sign of Otis Amber. Doug was cold and hungry, but at least his feet didn't hurt anymore. Last night, when he asked Doc Wexler about the blisters, the podiatrist told him to see his father. His father, of all people. But those paper intersoles really worked. At five o'clock, Otis Amber skipped out of the rooming house, hopped on his bicycle, and returned to Sunset Towers empty-handed. Doug's assignment was over. Well, almost over. Where was Theo? Theo was being patched up in the hospital emergency room with a slight miscalculation in his solution experiment. Fortunately, no one else was around when the lab blew up. You like playing with explosives, kid? The bomb squad detective asked. Accidents in high school chemistry were not unusual, but this student lived in Sunset Towers. I was experimenting on chemical fertilizers, Theo replied, wincing as the doctor probed his shoulder for a glass shard. The first bomb went off in your folks' coffee shop, right? Your mother and father work you pretty hard, don't they? They work harder than I do. Why all the questions? Your captain said the Sunset Towers explosions were just fireworks. Sure they were, but bombers have a funny habit of going in for bigger and bigger bangs until they get caught. Theo had an alibi. He was nowhere near the Wexler apartment the day the third bomb went off. The detective grunted a warning about careless chemistry, but Theo had already learned his lesson. Ouch. At last, the coffee shop owner himself delivered the up order. The judge came right to the point. Mr. Theodorcus, tell me about your relationship with Violet Westing. I have reason to believe a life is in danger or I would not ask. It was a question he had expected. I grew up in Westingtown where my father was a factory foreman. Violet Westing and I were what you'd call childhood sweethearts. We planned to get married someday when I could afford it. But her mother broke us up. She wanted Violet to marry somebody important. 
the judge had to interrupt. Her mother? Are you saying it was Mrs. Westing who arranged the marriage, not Sam Westing? George Theodorcus nodded. That's right, Sam Westing tried to involve Violet in his business. I guess he hoped she'd take over the paper company one day. But she had her heart set on being a teacher. Besides, Violet didn't have much of a business sense. After that, her father never paid her much attention. Go on, the judge held the witness in her stare. The subject was becoming painful, and Mr. Theodorcus faltered several times in the telling. Mrs. Westing handpicked that politician, probably figured the guy would end up in the White House, and her daughter would be First Lady. But Violet thought he was nothing but a cheap political hack, a cheap crook. Violet was a gentle person, an only child. She couldn't turn against her mother. She couldn't face marrying that guy. I guess she couldn't find any way out, except... Mrs. Westing sort of went off her rocker after Violet's death, and I... Well, it was a long time ago. Thank you, Mr. Theodorcus, the judge said, ending the interrogation. The man had a different life now, different loves, different problems. Thank you. You have been a big help. Sandy was now able to complete the entry. Theodorcus. Theo Theodorcus, age 17, high school senior, works in family coffee shop, wants to be a writer. Seems lonely. Can't find anyone to play chess with. Christokus Theodorcus, age 15, younger brother of above, confined to wheelchair. Disease struck about four years ago. Knows a lot about birds. Westing Connection. Father was childhood sweetheart of Sam Westing's daughter, who looked like Angela Wexler. Mrs. Westing broke up the affair. She wanted daughter to marry someone else, but Violet Westing killed herself before the wedding. Neither parents of above are heirs. I hear the new medicine they're trying out on Chris is doing some good, Sandy reported. But the poor kid needs more help than medicine. He's real smart, you know. Chris could have a real future. Be a scientist or a professor, even. But it'll take a pile of money, more money than his folks could ever make, to put him through college with a handicap like that. The parents interest me more, the judge said. Why are they not heirs? Sandy had some thoughts on that, too. Maybe Sam Westing didn't want to embarrass George Theodorcus, him being married and all, or maybe Westing figured he'd be too busy with his coffee shop to stay in the game. Or maybe Westing blamed him for his daughter's death, figuring they should have eloped. No, if Sam Westing blamed Mr. Theodorcus, he would have made him an heir in this miserable game, the judge replied. There are too many maybes here, which is what Sam Westing planned. We must not allow ourselves to be distracted from the real issue. Which heir did Sam Westing want punished? The person who hurt him most? Sandy guessed. And who would that be? The person who caused his daughter's death? Exactly, Mr. McSouthers. Sam Westing plotted against the person he held responsible for his daughter's suicide. The person who forced Violet Westing to marry a man she loathed. Mrs. Westing? But that's not possible, Judge. Mrs. Westing is not one of the heirs. I think she is, Mr. McSouthers. The former wife of Sam Westing must be one of the heirs. Mrs. Westing is the answer, and whoever she is, she is the one we have to protect. All right, fifth graders, we will stop there. Things are getting interesting.
Well, that concludes another episode of the Keeping Up with Room 305 podcast. I hope you're finding some value in listening along. Hopefully, these episodes will spark conversation in your households about math, science, and reading. By doing this podcast, I feel connected to our class in a unique way, and I hope you do too. Thanks again for your patience, 5th graders. Be well. (laughs) Ha 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 ha!